This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, the business station? It's 9.35, it's Friday, the 2nd of February. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. And I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, this is, of course, WTF, or What's the Focus? A weekly roundup show of the top top stories Excuse me, this week and other news tidbits you might have missed. And I thought we should start with the one and only <laughs> Elon Musk. He who had, I would say had, a 55.8% billion dollar US dollar pay package from Tesla well had. the the word is had because the De- Delaware judge tossed that pay package and calling the compensation compensation an unfathomable sum that was unfair to shareholders and the ruling which can be appealed nullifies the largest pay package in corporate America it's true I've never seen a number so large before in terms of pay package question here is do you think it's justified I mean putting aside the the number the insane number the insane number but in terms of the value creation he has right in driving the share price and all that was there any basis to the number well at this current juncture it doesn't seem to be so because <laughs> tesla's fortune seems to be dimming uh in the sense that it, at one time it was the world's most profitable largest ever selling ev car maker that has been eclipsed by byd and a whole host of other up and coming especially chinese ev makers right who are really gunning at the tesla space and even then tesla sales especially in the us have kind of hit a saturation point as questions about you know whether there is the infrastructure for it because yeah. there aren't enough charging stations but aside from that right there were also questions about corporate governance in the sense that the directors that did approve this, and this is what the Delaware judge said, there were issues about how really, truly independent those directors were in granting him that wonderful pay package. I think that's one of the biggest issues here about governance. And, I, and I, I'll be honest to say, I think that there's also a problem in corporate Malaysia as well, especially if you are an entrepreneur-run organisation and you actually have a board of directors. And sometimes you do feel like the board of directors are puppets, right, to the mm. lead entrepreneur or the one who, who actually started up yeah, the business. independent but not really independent, right? Yeah, and this is quite a common you know, talk quite in town about these things and many companies reflect that. So I wonder if that's also the case here, right? But with Elon Musk, of course, he always likes to add a bit more, you know, salt to the fire here. And of course, he ran a poll on Twitter to say whether he needs to move uh, his HQ from Delaware back to Texas, where all his operations were. And, you know, in the United States, people go to Delaware for the tax benefits and the tax structures there. So really, I think he's just trying to just add a lot more uh, unnecessary fire to this already well, a big bushfire taking place. That's so much, sounds like Elon Musk, right? Yeah. So just to put this in context, in terms of this 10-year pay agreement with Musk, now it, it would have made him, or it does make him one of the richest people in the world, and it accounts for a quarter of his 210.6 billion fortune. He just ranks... Um, just behind the the LVMH family, which are number two in terms of wealth. The question is really, was the plan even necessary for 
Tesla to retain Musk and achieve its goals? That was the question that the judge asked herself. Yeah. Right? How integral is he towards Tesla's success? And if we look at the history of Elon Musk, he loves to make these big, lofty promises. And does he always achieve it? And the answer is actually no, because you just have to look at some of the predictions he made, which, which never came true. So he said that in two years, and this was in 2016, it would be possible for a Tesla to drive autonomously from New York to LA. That hasn't happened. Uh, it has only happened recently. And even then along the way, you might not have a charging station, but that's another story for another day. He also said that year that SpaceX rockets would fly to Mars in 2018 still hasn't happened. But it's the challenge of, you know, that charismatic CEO that, you know, tries to paint this really colourful, beautiful vision. And of course, in reality, they will say, look, I always paint the vision and even if I'm 50% heading towards that vision, that's progress. You know, that's the usual argument. So are then asking the share market to believe in that vision? That exactly. I think that's the biggest price. problem you have, right? That you sell this vision that you're going to deliver this and it's not. And I think specifically with Elon Musk, he stretched himself so much. I mean, don't talk about even the Tesla, SpaceX, X, you know, it's a classic mm. example of, you know, overstretching yourself. So I can understand why uh, the judge is asking those questions. And there's also another related story, right, that came about over the week with respect to Neuralink, uh, mm. one of his other businesses, right, where he said that the first human received an implant from the brain chin startup and it's recovering well. Perhaps he needs that, right, to see how Tesla <laughs> can overtake BYD eventually. Well, actually, this surgery, when I first read it, I was like, what? Are we creating robots? Is Terminator here? <laughs> I mean, okay, so the surgery is not really a surprise because the US Food and Drug Administration had given the company clearance in September to carry out the first trial of its implants on humans. So the initial results did show promising neuron spike detections and sp spikes are basically something that activity by neurons, which the National Institute of Health describes as cells that use electrical and chemical sig signals to send information around the brain and to the body. And I can see the use of this, especially people like maybe who have stroke, who yes. are paralyzed and need to communicate with machines. So suddenly there is a whole new world open to them, right? It's great. But great. I, I just wonder about the ethics of it. Yeah, but the scary part is, of course, their product is telepathy, right? It enables control of your phone or computer and through them almost any device just by thinking. Imagine, right, if I could control your thoughts, Shaoning, and say, you know, you need to give me a $56 billion pay package as well. I couldn't, even if I wanted to, because I don't have $56 <laughs> billion, be it rupee or rupiah, I just don't have it. Um, the thing is, what is he going to do with this? You know, what's yeah. a commercial application and I, I'm sure there will be there will be and how soon can it be monetized because he's great Elon Musk is great at coming out with ideas but they aren't always profitable uh, but he does have his fair share of believers people that are willing to yeah, give him yeah, the money yeah, yeah. to drive these goals but I think you know we do need to have our visionaries don't we we do, we do. Which I think comes back to the next story, which is what's happening with Apple, right? I think we've been talking a lot about the results that came out uh, last last night. Uh, results not very good. But of course, I think over, you know, underlying this was this whole new product, the Apple Vision Pro, uh, which has actually been launched by Apple. Perhaps the newest gadget in their newest platform that they hope can rev revolutionize their business as well. Okay, guys, just a heads up. It's uh, worth 3,500 
US dollars. Doesn't include tax or the cost of any add-on accessories such as the 100 US dollar lens inserts that if required if you wear prescription glasses or contacts, that would be me. Or, or the 200 US dollar travel case. Question here is with VR headsets, I mean, regardless to how sophisticated and modern this headset is, let's talk about the utility of it. Would you ever buy a VR headset? What besides just playing games, right? Apparently, it can help you work. So, the New York Times actually reviewed this headset, right, and tried to use it in a working environment. And it's supposed to be able to help you, like, do tasks faster. So, you just, like, apparently visualize the thing that's in front of you, use your fingers like a mouse and click on it. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not not really a techie person. So I was trying to figure out how useful it will really be. Yeah, so how much faster do you need to get work done, I guess, is the bigger question, uh, you know, Shaoni, uh, when it comes to these kind of headsets. And if the utility is more work, then its applications are quite limited. Think about all the devices that Apple has actually produced in its history, right? Its utility is wide-ranging. It, it's able mm-hmm. to, you know, add a lot of joy. And it's also about the beauty of the design. So what Apple did in the beginning was, look, there were all these innovations before done, but they just made it designed beautifully right and easy and intuitive have you seen a picture of this vision pro i have seen it, it is... looks like you've got bug eyes <laughs> but but you know what the new york times uh, reporter has your same view because he said he still has no idea whom or what this thing is for and then we're quoting from the article at 3500 is not a device for the masses or even the mass influence it's a big honking statement piece a status symbol for your face Mm, because some people need a status symbol for their face. It hasn't stopped 200,000 people from ordering it, though. That's true. I wonder if that's a limit. I think that's a big question mark. Well, well, let's see whether it comes across. And maybe going forward, when we do our show, I'll be in my VR headsets and I can then visualise you without seeing you in person. Is that what you want? (laughs) Always. Okay, very quickly. This story, the next story is a political one, which kind of, when you look at it, has some... reminds you a little bit of Malaysia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it has, uh, there's a scandal that's kind of escalating into one of the biggest political crises for the Koreans, uh, South Korean president. Uh, basically, it's a spy cam footage that showed his wife accepting a US 2200 Dior pouch as a gift. It has roiled his political party. And of course, the first lady has been asked to apologize and she's been compared with Marie Antoinette. We can always offer another suggestion as to who she can be compared to. <laughs> and polls show that it's become a significant issue ahead of crucial parliamentary elections in an increasingly polarized political atmosphere. Ah, scandal, scandal, scandals. I think this is the issue of, I really actually do feel for her, but I know it's wrong what you she did. You feel for her? I feel a bit in the sense that, you know, these people try and set her up by using all these spy cams. I mean, what is the but process? But she's not supposed right? to receive. She's any not gifts. supposed to receive it in the any first place, gifts. and she's yeah. not supposed to have any political influence. Correct. So that was wrong on the side. But I also think many political opponents try to take advantage by doing all these things. Imagine if we do all these meetings and there are spy camps everywhere, right, just to record all the but conversations. But isn't that good? So have. then it will stop people from you know not doing what they aren't supposed to be doing. I know, but so it, does this mean that she doesn't give, she doesn't care? She's blatant about it. She never thought she'd be caught. Yeah, Which so is what I, some people 
think. For sure, for sure. I just worry about the vigilante nature of certain people, right, trying to take advantage of this whole process. But I agree, what she did was entirely wrong. We must have the proper governance structure for declaration. And when she's wrong, she's wrong. Mm. But I do find it a bit discomforting that there are people out there who do all this kind of spy cam kind of stuff to try and just catch people and just make situations look bad. Like for your boss, right, and put things out of context. While in this case, it's wrong. I do worry people do abuse it. Okay, we're heading into some messages. We'll come back and take a look at what's happening in here in Malaysia. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to The Morning Run. You're listening to WTF or What's the Focus, our weekly recap show. And to help us is Philip C and I'm Wong Shaoning. Now, unless you've been in the cave, this week the story has really been about the Pardons Board, who is supposedly going to release an official statement concerning former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Tun Razak. We're all waiting for this statement, uh, expected to be released this week, and this is according to the Minister in the Prime Minister's Department, Dr Zaleha Mustafa. Why can't we have a very clear schedule to when the statement will be released. I don't know why we are so opaque about these specific deadlines. There has to be a clear cadence and structure for these things, right? You meet on Monday, you write the minutes, you basically get some authority to approve it, and then you release it. I don't know, it doesn't seem to be too difficult. Well, we're still waiting. And in the meantime, everybody's on overdrive when it comes to the rumours, right? Speculation on was it originally a pardon and then is it now a commuting and or is there no pardon at all? Well, we'll find out. Ladies and gentlemen, we will, of course, update you if we do hear anything. I think a lot of Malaysians are very curious as to whether he will really be granted a pardon. And also, what does this then mean for the politicians who are in power. Yeah. What does yeah. it say about us as a country also? Yes. Right? I think we will be assessing that at BFM. Uh, but let's turn our attention to other news. And that's the possibility. Well, actually, Petronas has come out with a statement saying, no, 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 no such thing. And this is about the F1. Philip, have you ever attended an F1? Uh, no, I've not actually. Neither have I. Neither have I. Yeah. But I mean, I, I I drive quite frequently in that area, so I always see the. Did F1 you get on the track though? No, I didn't. I didn't. But you know what? It's very interesting. Is right. I do get a sense that the the track is fully underutilized. There was a period of time when it was used for rumpit uh, events. Really. Uh, government sanctioned uh, mud rumpit events because you know there was this whole issue about mud rumpits all around the city. So doing let, nothing, right? Let's Let legalize it and have them race around the circuit in return. So I. I wonder if this is an idea about, oh, let's just, we have the asset already in place. How do we kind of make the most out of it? Well, we used to host it and we hosted it from 1999 right up to 2017. But because of the declining ticket sales and rising cost of hosting the event, we actually gave it up. Now, currently, the circuit continues to host MotoGP races and other Mud Rapid Sports events. So there were questions about whether it will come back. And I think this was a Reuters report saying that uh, it was kind of semi-revealed during a Petronas company town hall, although Petronas has come out to say no such thing, no such thing. Mm. I think the question is, firstly, the cost, right? Which is our Malaysian Youth and Sports Minister, Hannah Yeo, said that it was very expensive. And she said that if we could host an F1 race, we already would have done it. But for now, we can't afford to have these races. 
And the question is, you know, like if you look at Singapore as an example, they really make it a unique race, right? It's a city race. And usually nowadays, the race is exciting not because in, in the economics works when you couple it with other things. So with Singapore, it's always coupled with very interesting concerts that happen post-race, right? So can Malaysia afford, can Malaysia actually attract these right entertainers as well to actually build the economic multiplier that comes with just purely hosting the race in isolation? Yeah, so you need to actually have a holistic view about it in the sense that it has to be an activity driven by the government. The Malaysian Tourism Board has to market it effectively globally. Yes. It has to have myriad of activities surrounding the race. And you can choose your own thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a pop concert. It can be something unique, but I think pop concerts do really well. Mm. You know, maybe, and then you can have offshoots of it where you encourage people to come here and then travel on to see, let's say, Mount Kota Kinabalu, go to our beaches, go to Pinay, sell Malaysia, but the hook is F1. Yeah, because uh, if you know our F1 circuit is actually by the airport. So maybe plus side about actually doing side trips. But at the moment, I'm just thinking Bakute don't kill after that. <laughs> or Sate and Kajang. Whatever, yes, uh, whatever, whatever rocks your boat. Whatever, whatever rocks, rocks your, your boat, boat for right? sure. For sure. Uh, so let's see. Uh, but the, uh, clearly funds are short at this moment for an F1 uh, but let's turn our attention to the last story of the day. Of course, you're a bit of a Swifty, aren't you? No, no, I'm I not. am not. Actually, our producer, yes. Wailun, is the big Swifty. He is, he right? is. And it's actually is so big, has so much influence over so many people that she's now been a target in the US election culture wars. Can you believe it? And she hasn't said anything about the 2024 US presidential elections, mm. though. Well, you know, before this, actually, Taylor Swift was quite political um, and she was quite involved in her home state, Tennessee, right? A, you know, supporting certain candidates. And she has, at the time, quite a big support of the Democrats at the time, which actually did actually shift some vote swing over to the Democrats at that point. So I can imagine why uh, the Republicans are a bit nervous because she is really holding the attention of the younger voter, right? And I think that's really powerful. On the back of the fact that she's actually having this uh, romance with Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that whole, you know, like the golden couple, the golden of the United American States, right? couple, right? You've got you know celebrity with sports coming through and mixing and intermingling that way. There's no, you know, this is really truly the power couple of the United States. So I can imagine why people are sore because it is all about personality and politics. Uh, in, in the US politics here. Okay, so some background on her political decisions of voice in the past, right? So you're right. She has endorsed the Democratic candidate in the Tennessee Senate race in 2018, also Biden in the 2020 elections, and in her 2020 documentary, Miss Americana, she said she was sad that she had not come out against Trump in 2016. These aren't your dad, Republican, she told her family in the film. Film. So Trump himself has not commented on Taylor Swift recently, but his aides have rushed to mock both pop star and Biden. And I think even Fox News commentators have basically said, Miss Swift, please don't comment. You, you don't know anything. <laughs> I think she made a very interesting point about these aren't your dad's Republicans because, you know, she's trying to try and break this division within the Republican Party that there's the Trump Republicans and it's the old school Republicans that actually, you know, hold the values that truly are quite close to America's heart. So if she can drive that wedge between the Republicans, that's actually very powerful politically. 
Okay, let's find out. But that's all the... Uh, that's all from the morning run on WTF. Coming up next is, of course, the 10 a.m. news bulletin, and then it's over to Enterprise. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.